Thank you for joining us for another episode of Business Conversations, the official podcast of the UNT G. Brent Ryan College of Business, featuring expert advice for navigating today's business world. We are excited to have with us here today, Dr. Mark Evers, lecturer in the college's Department of Finance, Insurance, Real Estate, and Law. Dr. Evers is a native Texan from Round Rock, Texas, and holds a PhD and master's degree in personal financial planning from Texas Tech University and an MBA from West Texas A&M. He is a certified financial planner and a chartered retirement planning counselor. Dr. Evers comes to the university with over a decade of industry experience in financial services, along with over a decade of teaching experience. Prior to joining UNT, he was a director of financial planning at Imperium Wealth Management in San Antonio, Texas. He has also worked for Strategic Financial Concepts, Charles Schwab, Weaver Cating and Associates, and Janus Mutual Funds. Dr. Evers has taught in the Personal Finance Program at Texas Tech University and Business Education at Manor and Stony Point High Schools. We are thrilled to have Dr. Evers join the UNT G. Brent Ryan College Business team and to have him with us here today to talk about financial literacy. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Evers. We really appreciate your time here today to talk to us about some popular buzzwords around campus these days that we hear the president saying is financial literacy. And financial literacy, not just for faculty and staff, but for students as well. And I'm wondering if you can maybe kick things off and tell us what exactly is financial literacy and what does it entail? Well, financial literacy really, if we, if we examine it, it really, there's two sides to the financial literacy coin. And what most people, there's, there's our money perception, and that's really how we relate with money. It's, it's, it involves our money personality, our habits, our attitudes, the risk that we carry. Um, it also involves our money story, how we've grown up with it, uh, you know, the people we've interacted with in our lives and what they've done with money, what we've seen done with money and how people have used it maybe to hurt us or to help us. And so there's that perception side of financial literacy. And then there's the function side of financial literacy. And usually when we talk about financial literacy, it's that function side. And that function side is like how to do things. Yeah. And so, but we really have to deal with both sides because a lot of times what shows up on the how to do side, uh, as a result of what's going on on the perception side and what money means to you. So a lot of times money for a lot of people is a very emotional thing. It's not just a math problem, right? And a lot of times, you know, at, in the university level, we like to treat things like math problems, like there's logic behind it. But many times people act and do things with money that other people would consider to be completely irrational. So in fact, uh, Robert Schiller wrote a book, Irrational Exuberance. I just got finished reading it. It's all about uh, different stock market bubbles and real estate bubbles and uh, people acting irrationally with money. That's but the reality, yeah, but the reality is, is people act with money um, based on their own personal experiences. So when somebody acts and what I might consider to be irrational for them, they're completely rational in that moment. And so where does that come from? What's their money story and why is that there? But then now let's move to the other side of the coin and how do we actually act with money? Like, what do we need to do? 
That's a very interesting concept to say. I never thought about that of being involved with perception and function. You usually think of it more as function and not just how you perceive things and how you've built that perception over the years. So that's a very interesting way to kind of navigate that. Um, would you say, so in your class, what's the name of your course that you teach on financial literacy? So we have a, a, a course here at the university. It's FINA 2770. It's personal finance. And it's all about how we function with money. It's really about understanding how money works and then how we deal with money. So there's so many different ways to go approach that. What would you say are the most important topics that you kind of discuss with your class or that you think students really take away those aha moments? Well, I try to give students a little bit of everything. My That class is kind of like going to a buffet, right? <laughs> and I just walk in and you get to sample little tastes of everything. And, and so at the beginning of the class, we talk about things like basic economics, right? And we talk about uh, how to build a budget and how to read financial statements. Um, then we also get into um, the time value money, how to make those calculations. And then to use that calculator, all right? Use the calculations to figure out things. And then we get into debt, how debt works and how credit, credit score works. Mm-hmm how to buy a car. That's usually the favorite, one of my, the favorite ones that students like to, uh, we talk (laughs) about the car buying process, not just how to calculate it, right? But we talk about the process and, and what happens when you enter the car dealership and what, what is the car dealership trying to achieve and what are you trying to achieve and how can you align those things together so that, uh, you know, you avoid getting ripped off, right? Um, Or taken advantage of. And, and then from there, we, we talk about buying a house and, and one of the different options on, on financing a house. And, and then after we talk about borrowing and, and lending, we talk about investing. And right now, investing is very popular amongst oh, students. Yeah. Um, we've got these uh, FinTech apps like Robinhood. And so, uh, you know, what's going on? And, and, and this semester was great because we were literally right in the middle of the whole GameStop uh, uh, trade. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's still going on to this point. But literally, when we were covering that subject this semester, um, GameStop was occurring, so I was able really to dive down into that and explain what was happening, and so students got a better idea. But we talk about the reasons to invest and how to invest and how to keep it simple, um, how to build our investment pyramid, where we start off with more conservative type investments and then we work our way up to the speculative type things like GameStop um, and and maybe Tesla or something like that, right? Uh, the hot topics, right? Oh yeah. And it, it's really great right now because we live at a time where students, once you turn 18 and even before you're 18, you can, you can have a parent or custodian open up an account for you. But once you hit 18, you can go to the the Charles Schwab's or the Fidelities or the Robin Hoods of the world and open up an investment account and you can start investing today. And the great thing about it is you don't have to pay commissions on buying uh, stocks. Um, I remember when I made my first trade, I'm not that old, but it's 1996, I bought my first stock and I, I went down to the Edward Jones guy. And this was back in the day before the internet. I mean, the internet kind of got started, but it wasn't like, Nobody had it, right? Yeah. So, um, but it cost me $50 in commission just to buy the stock I bought. 
Oh, wow. And so, and then to sell it, it cost me another $50. So there was $100 in transaction fees that I had to pay just to make that trade. Today, you don't have to do that. You can, you can have five bucks and put it in your account and you can buy, uh, you know, a piece of the S&P 500 and there you go. Now you're investing. And so we talk about investing. We talk about how to do it and what to do and strategies to do for it and how to build. And then um, after that, we talk about insurance, how insurance works. We just got finished talking about renter's insurance and how important mm -hmm. it is for uh, college students to have renter's insurance. Very true. And then uh, we're going to wrap, we wrap it up with just a small lesson on estate planning and what an estate is and how to set it up. And um, oh, and one more thing we talk about on insurance is like health insurance, um, yeah. how to like- That's one that always is confusing, I feel like. Yeah, and it, it really is. And in fact, that's usually the place where I have students, there's really two places where I get a lot of feedback and it's usually around health insurance stuff and buying a car. And so for the health insurance, it's usually like, I've been dealing with this hospital bill for a year or whatever. And finally, you told me how to make this calculation. You showed me how to do it. I figured it out. And I was able to go to the hospital office and be like, look, this is what should be, my insurance should be covering this. I should be paying this. That's awesome. And, and so a lot of students, multiple students have come back to me teaching this course where they have told me, look, I've been able to straighten these bills out because of learning how to do this calculation. So that's incredible. I mean, these are things that it's kind of incredible to think about, but you just, you never get a chance to learn these things in middle school or high school. A lot of places do not teach students this. So they're just kind of thrown to the wolves when they go and start in the real world. So it's exactly. wonderful to be able to have these opportunities and get this practical advice and apply it to the real world. Exactly. And, and you know, even if, and so from my experience, I actually got, to, I taught in high school for six years before I, I entered into, uh, you know, into higher education. But in my experience in that, in that realm, uh, very few students are exposed to any kind of financial literacy. And even if they have the opportunity to take a course, most of the time, a lot of students aren't even ready for it because they're not working. They're not really directly. Yeah, it's not applicable to them yet. Exactly. Um, but it's crazy because I've had students who um, would walk, roam the halls in their classroom, uh, roam the halls in the, in the high school, avoiding their class. And they would come and <laughs> sit in on my high school class, the money lessons. And why would they do that? Because they were working. And I'm like, who are you? You're not the student I usually deal with. You're listening. But it, it was because <laughs> it was applicable to their situation. And, and I think it's right around 16, 17 where we really start to understand like, hey, I'm getting paid now. What does all this mean? What can I do with all this? And so, and I think most of us are driven um, back again to that money story, how money was delivered in our life, how money was handled. And, you know, I, my dad didn't uh, start making money until I graduated from high school and I was out of the house. Um, he, he's a computer engineer now, but he went to, he went to college while I was in, in school. And so uh, up until that point, he really didn't do make that much money. So, um, you know, my money story is one from, you know, very low, uh, low, maybe middle-class background, if you want to call it that. Um, and, you know, 
I'm driven by, I don't want to be in that situation anymore. And I, I want to have what I, what I have. Right. And so, but for other people, they might come from different situations where um, they were exposed to different type of money situations. Maybe people fought over money. Right. And so money could be, and then another thing is like a lot of people don't want to talk about money. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I know people that, um, oh, don't talk about money. That's rude. Right. It's kind you of know? taboo. Yeah. Exactly. So I really, I think this is a great class because anybody in the university can take it and they should take it. And it, we really get to just have these money discussions and talk to uh, each other. And, and in the class, they find out, look, everybody struggles with this. And it doesn't even matter if you have money. Yeah. People with, true. you know, I, I, I worked in industry many, many years and I dealt with clients that had lots of money. And actually I found out that people who have more money tend to stress more about money than people who don't. So interesting. it's kind of interesting because I mean, think about it. If you don't really have money, then oh, you're not worried about anything. But, uh, <laughs> you know, people that might have $2 million, they're freaked out because like, well, I'm, I'm trying to retire. Can I, can I retire? And then once they retire and they have this money, can I spend this money? You know, yeah, it, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. There's all these struggles that we deal with. And so having a class like this, it allows us to have good candid discussions about money and how money works and our experiences with money and, and kind of air it out and students know, Hey, I'm not alone in this situation. And and we can really talk about it. We can have these frank discussions that we don't get to have at home. Yeah, that's great. Do any students ever bring in, you know, their real bill that they have and ask for advice for you? Um, I haven't seen that yet, but usually the big discussions on advice are, what do we do with these student loans? Mm. How do we take care of those? Um, what do we deal with? like buying a car is a big one. Um, and renter's insurance is another big one because a lot of students don't have it or they avoid it because yeah. they think it's too expensive. But the reality is renter's insurance is very inexpensive. It's something that everybody should have uh, mainly to cover the liability piece. Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so I mean, if you are at your apartment there and you're throwing a party which a lot of college students like to do, right? <laughs> and somebody gets hurt at your apartment, you're liable for their injury. <laughs> and, and so, and it doesn't really matter how they hurt themselves. It's on attorney, your property, yeah. yeah. It's on your property. An attorney could be like, hey, you need to pay up. And so having that piece of liability protection there, it really, it helps protect you from that kind of situation. And Absolutely. so, yeah. Well, you brought up one interesting topic too. So I'm wondering, do you have any tips that you offer in your class about how students can graduate debt-free? I think the biggest tip is, you know, it's really hard to graduate debt-free unless you can like live in a situation where maybe you're living at home or you're living with a relative and you don't have to pay for housing. Mm -hmm. I think housing is one of the big expenses that uh, really hurts the university students a lot because you got to move now fortunately being in denton we're not that far from a lot of students homes right and so yeah. a lot of students can live at home at least for a little bit um, and that's very helpful um, the other thing is to really uh, be aggressive with scholarships and i know that seems crazy but if you can write an essay and maybe you spend 
eight hours writing that essay and it gives you a thousand dollar scholarship i don't know about you but that's over a hundred dollars an hour yeah <laughs> I, I i mean you yeah if you're working if you're you know you work at sonic or chick-fil-a or whatever you wanted to be doing that's fine that's great um but that doesn't pay you a hundred dollars an hour right writing mm -hmm. an essay and getting a scholarship that can do that and take advantage of those opportunities um take advantage of of working I, I think working while you go to school is a great idea uh because one of the things you have to learn and one of the things that i think is very important that students learn in college is how to manage their time mm -hmm. and from my personal experience is the busier i am the more effective i am for some reason and maybe it's just this whole idea of inertia i think i'm the same way <laughs> Yeah, if I'm laying on the couch, I'm not getting up for anything. <laughs> but if I've got a schedule and I've got to stick to it and I'm going, 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 I find myself doing much more in life. And so uh, having a job is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because you have a source of income and you can pay for a lot of expenses that are not necessarily school expenses, but just general living expenses through that job, right? And then what happens is if you do have to take out student loans, all you're really doing at that point is taking it out for school. Um, and, and going back to that work thing, I actually have a lot of students in my financial planning program. I have several of them who have started working at Fidelity and they're actually helping pay for the education. Oh, that's great. It's kind of cool. I mean, it, when you, um, most students don't realize that, you know, you kind of get in that third year of college where you have over two years of, you know, what's equivalent of an associate's type degree, um, you, a lot of students can go work at banks or it, different companies out there that, and, and get full-time jobs and go to school part-time. Yeah, it's a great and, option. And, and then the, the companies will do reimbursements and they'll pay for it. A lot of companies will do up over $5,000 a year towards your education. And yeah, it might take you a little bit longer to finish, but the trade-off is, you know, you get that that money towards school and, and it can offset a lot of that loan. And so, and it's okay to graduate with some student loan debt. It's not a big deal. It really isn't, um, especially if you graduate. Where it becomes a big deal is if you don't graduate. Right. If you don't graduate and you've got $20,000 of student loan debt, now you're trying to work with not as much education as other people, right? And your salary is not necessarily going to be as high as somebody else who graduated from college. But the thing is, for me, whenever I went from not having a degree to having a degree, my income went up probably by about $15,000 a year once I got that degree. And so having a little bit of student loan debt is not that big of a deal because if you look at the return on your investment, right? Um, you pick up an extra $10,000 a year in income for having the degree versus not having the degree, then that $20,000 of student loan debt is not a big deal. Oh yeah, it absolutely makes up for itself. Right. Now, another area where I see a lot of student loan debt issues is from graduate school. So a lot of students, particularly, uh, if you're going into some kind of professional field like law or uh, or medicine, mm -hmm. um, th that's really where a lot of students can get into trouble. Um, 
you get into that land where you can have a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and that's really i think a lot of the discussion around the debt forgiveness stuff centers around a lot of those type of students too because i mean if, if you try to go to medical school and you don't quite finish or you don't make it or or maybe you do make it and you just i don't you can get stuck and um unless you become a surgeon and you have you make hundred you know two or three hundred thousand dollars a year um you know family physician doesn't necessarily make as much money as one might think and so you know it's really that balancing act and then law school is a big one right now because i've seen law schools where students are not allowed to work while they go to law school and oh, really? so interesting yeah that and that can put students very far behind and right now coming out of law school with your law degree doesn't guarantee you a high paying job there's a lot of people graduating and it's hard to get jobs in that field and so one of the things i encourage students to do as well is to look at um what degree you're getting and is that degree actually important to you <laughs> is that really what you want to do good question to answer yeah <laughs> so many students get into college and they don't know who they are um we, my wife and i were talking about this yesterday and we're we're in our 40s now and my wife still doesn't know what she wants to do <laughs> and that's fun. okay that's okay i mean uh she's just actually just about to wrap up 25 years at her company and we're moving to denton her company doesn't isn't there so she's taking this opportunity to finish right just but 25 years she, she's work there and now it's like what do I do when I grow up you know and so I think a lot of students get into that trap too where they uh they're not sure what they want to do and and then they they take classes and they get into a degree and they're like I really don't like that so they switch to something else um and it ends up not being um what they wanted I just saw a quote today from Leonardo da Vinci and it says study without desire spoils the memory and it retains nothing that it takes in that so makes sense yeah i mean you gotta care about what you're learning you have to desire to learn it and that leads me to the one word passion i think most people don't understand what passion actually means and so the root word of passion is latin for suffering <laughs> And so the question I have for students from the say, oh, I have a passion for X, Y, Z. That's great. Are you willing to suffer for it? <laughs> I like that. No, I'm not willing to suffer for it. Then you don't have passion for it. What you have is uh, like kind of a, 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 like a, it's almost like a, when you meet interest. a, you meet yeah it's like when you meet somebody for the first time and you think you want to keep dating that person it's you get the butterflies in your stomach kind of thing that's not passion that's uh that's something else that's uh maybe lust or something i don't know what the right term is that's not something new love. a shiny object yeah it's like uh it's like the squirrel seeing the you know whatever what's the movie up where the dog sees a squirrel and says, oh, yeah. oh, a squirrel. <laughs> i mean that's that's not passion passion is i'm willing to not just die for somebody but or something but i'm willing to give up my comforts 
and suffer for that thing or that person. Like I have passion for my wife. I'm willing to suffer for her. And so I think that when we talk about careers and we talk about degrees and what we're trying to do in our lives, are we willing, uh, passion, are we willing to suffer for that cause? If we are, then maybe that is what we are supposed to do in life. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. You definitely can save a lot of money by pursuing something you're passionate about as opposed to something you're just sort of, eh, why not? Just decide to do on a, on a way. Exactly. And a lot of students just pick something because, oh, that's what somebody told them to do. Or they can make a lot of money. Yeah. In money, this is the biggest thing I think that I've learned in my life in studying money. Money is, shouldn't be the reason for something. Money is the result. Money is the result of all your decisions, your education, your work, whatever all that those things are. What you have financially at the end of that is a result. Yeah, and, that's, that's yeah. a very good way to put it. I've worked at jobs where I made a lot more money than I make now. And I wasn't happy. I, I didn't like it. It was not who, what I was meant to do. It, what, I didn't have passion. I wasn't willing to suffer for it. Um, but I love teaching and I love teaching people about money. And it is something I'm willing to suffer for. It's, well, it's something I'm willing to take a pay cut to do. And it's something that, um, you know, frankly, I'm willing to put up with the minutia of the bureaucracy of it, higher education to do it. And, well, and we appreciate you because I know the students really enjoy the class and we're very excited to have you too. So that's fantastic. Well, I'm excited to do it. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for anybody in the university to take the course. And if they like it, we actually have a major in financial planning. Yeah. And if they're like, you know what? I don't want to do the major, Dr. Evers, that's too much. <laughs> we have a minor too. Hey, perfect. The minor's perfect. I, it's perfect for anybody who wants a backup plan, right? Um, in fact, I one of our uh, our adjuncts, uh, Dave Reagan, we just I just had a conversation with him, and he was like, I was one of those people, you know, I was a photography art major, and that's what I love to do. That's what I wanted to do, and I did the financial planning minor as a backup plan, and now he's a highly successful certified financial planner in Denton with a with a great practice and um it's just interesting how you know again we think we want to do one thing when we, get, when we go to college but we might end up doing something else absolutely it's important to keep those doors open exactly well awesome so what i'm gathering from this is you would say you would recommend anyone taking your course faculty staff student you know grad student sounds absolutely. like everyone could benefit from it Absolutely. Anybody who wants uh, to learn about money, who wants to, I, you know, I think it's this course that it doesn't matter what degree you're getting because everybody needs to understand money. Otherwise, the lack of that understanding, the lack of what to do, that functional side, if you don't understand how to function in money, then the lack of it will uh, make you function a certain way. So um and we don't we don't want to be like that you know i think the stat is somewhere around 78 percent of americans live paycheck to paycheck and most of those 
the the month doesn't end fast enough right yeah <laughs> and so the whole the whole point is like learning how to plan with money and learning how to follow that plan and learning how all these little pieces work together uh, and, and to create that financial literacy in our lives. And really this course is designed to be that first step to learn the very, very basics. And then, um, you know, if people like that, they can continue and learn financial literacy in numerous ways. There's plenty of resources online and all kinds of places to learn more. Um, there's degrees, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways that we can learn more about money. Uh, but this financial literacy course, uh, FINA 2770 is a great introduction. Like I said, it's a buffet where you get to sample all these little pieces and uh, figure out, you know, what to do in these situations. So. Well, awesome. Well, you've convinced me. I think I need to learn more about personal finance and I want to register for this class. So I hope everyone who's been listening today has the same sentiments and we hope to see more people enrolling and getting their personal finances up to speed with you. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Evers. Well, you're welcome. You have a great day.